Congregation, please keep your Psalter open for a moment, if you don't mind. As we sung from Psalter number 387, you no doubt sense that what we have here is quite a serious matter. The psalmist is in deep trouble, and he cries out to God for help. And then he ends up, as we have it in verse 6, The righteous then shall gather round to share the blessings I have found, their hearts made glad because they see how richly God has dealt with me. God is a rich dealing God with his people, those who call out even in the midst of distress. Well, now, I want to read our text as well because it also says something of who God is. And so let's read from Ezekiel 34 and then verse 23. Ezekiel 34 and verse 23. Where God says, and I quote, I will establish one shepherd over them and he shall feed them, my servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. Now, congregation, one of the things that we have to keep in mind that God is a promising God. He promises great and marvelous things to those who have learned to believe on him. And those promises, they, they, they are realized in our life, perhaps in stages. Some of the promises, however, are for after this life. And those promises are beyond description. I, I cannot possibly go into them, but that is what heaven is all about. That is when the great promises of God come to full reality to all those who have come to faith in him. Because we may find ourselves in all kinds of difficulties. We may find ourselves in trials and in, 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 in even temptations and that we stand strong against them. And in all of this, we can trust that the Lord will take care of us because he has promised. And so what I want to speak about then is one very authoritative promise that the Lord has given. And he gave that already in the Old Testament. Now, I must say as well that the Bible is actually full of promises from God. However, and that is the big thing for you and for me. We must learn to believe in those promises. We must take those promises seriously that he gives to us. And so what we have here before us in our text, we have one of those great promises, promises that God gave to the people of Israel in Old Testament times. But they are also good for you and for me, as I hope to explain that to you in a short well, now, then we come then to what we have here as a theme for our text. The promise that the Lord is our shepherd. The first thing we have to consider is in trying times. And so the Psalter that we've sung can also then contribute to expressing some of those trying times. So in trying times, the first place. In the second place, for our spiritual good. And in the third place, according to undeserved mercies. So then, the first thing we need to consider, the Lord, the promises that the Lord is our shepherd in trying times. Now, I must say that if you would read um, 
Ezekiel chapter 34, right at the very beginning, that it doesn't start on a very high note. In fact, it starts on a rather negative note. And that it has to be admitted. Obviously, as the Lord God looks at the nation of Israel, he is upset. In fact, we could say he is angry with the people of Israel. He is angry with the leaders of the people of Israel, particularly, whom he has identified as the shepherds of Israel. Ezekiel, the prophet, he has to prophesy, he has to declare them to them, and he has to prophesy against them, and that in the name of the Lord God. Now, apparently, the people of Israel, whom the Lord identifies as my flock, that's important for us to remember too, Israel is called my flock by the Lord God. They find themselves in very trying times. From what we can gather from the early part in the uh, prophecy of uh, Ezekiel, chapter 34, uh, verse 4, several other verses after verse 4, there are those among the people who are weak, there are those who are sickly, there are those who are broken, there are those who are hungry and thirsty, there are those who are restless. They, 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 are find, they find themselves in trying times. There are even those amongst the people who find themselves being attacked in various ways. Even attacked by wild beasts. Can you imagine being attacked by wild beasts? In other words, the people find themselves in trying times. And what makes the matters even worse yet is that the people are not getting any help from their government leaders, the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. In fact, the people are suffering under their hands. They're suffering under the hands of the leaders. And this is really what has made the Lord God angry. And why we hear those awesome words, as you can read of it in verse 2, Woe! Now when the Lord says, Woe! Watch out! He says, Woe! To the shepherds of Israel. Now, at this point, I will not get much into what the leaders have done and why the Lord is so angry with them. I will say a few things about it later on. But um, um, what we can say is that the leaders of Israel do not deserve the label of shepherds. But we do definitely get the picture that the people of Israel, whom the Lord calls and identifies as my flock, that they are in very difficult and trying times. And that not necessarily because of their own fault either. Now, let's bring it to today. Likewise, with the Lord's people today. Many of us also find ourselves in trying times. And then not necessarily due to our own fault either. How many of us do not feel weak in ourselves whether it is spiritually weak or even physically weak or sickly or broken or restless. How many of us have not lost our way? We have lost our direction in life because of unexpected turns in life, unexpected turns in the paths of life. How many of us do not know what it means to have been attacked at one time or another. Attacked one way or another because of the principles that we as Christians hold dear. 
and the faith that we practice, that we've been attacked because of such faith. Now, the leaders, and I must say something that I, I hope that our leaders will hear and will also understand, but the leaders of our nation have not been very exemplary, have they? We find ourselves in times of recession, rising prices in food, for instance, rising prices in transportation. Medical help is getting difficult to, to get. My wife is, well, she's not well, and she needs medical help, and, uh, but we won't be able to get anything until March we've heard now. So they're, they're postponing medical help to people who need it. Teachers at school and professors in the university are greatly dissatisfied. This is what I can gather. Many people are out of a job or cannot find anything either. Our national provincial shepherds have lost the respect of many of us. Well, so what should we do? Should we complain about them? Well, no, that's not the way. But we should pray for them, dear people. We need to pray that the Lord will change their hearts and that the Lord will change their ways. We need to pray that there be some clear thinking on their part and that, that they have not themselves in mind, but that they have the people whom they rule over in mind. When I read Ezekiel chapter 34, for instance, of the shepherds of Israel feeding themselves instead of feeding the flock, I, I just can't help but think... Is this not what many of our government leaders are doing as well? How much could we really apply to them when we read what the Lord says to the leaders of Israel? The weak you have not strengthened, you have, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. Well, again, let us be much in prayer that the Lord will change the hearts and lives of those who are causing so many troubles in this world of ours today. And again, many of us, therefore, find ourselves in trying times. As Christians, we too have become a small group of people, haven't we? And the Lord can say of us, as you once said, as you can read in Revelation 3 and verse 8 of the church in Philadelphia, that we have but little strength. And this makes us look very insignificant in the eyes of the world. Well, who are they, you know? Will our existence as Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, will it still have an impact upon our society around us? What can we possibly do? What can we possibly accomplish? We have little strength, so we are told. And in that sense already, these are trying times for us as well. As congregation... We are in trying times in other ways. Some in the congregation have lost loved ones recently. We've had some funerals earlier in the year. A number of our people know what it means to be afflicted with some sort of illness or infirmity or frailty. Some of you are challenged in your faith life as well because of, of physical difficulties and physical trials. And it has become a difficult life. In fact, some may even start asking, if God loves me, why is this happening to me? Is God punishing me with physical problems 
Because of my lack of faith? Is that why? Why am I suffering like this? If God is my God, why must I as a believer in Jesus Christ cope with handicap or with a debilitating disease? If God loves me, why is my life so difficult? Or many other questions. And so the question is why? Why? You know, dear people, it is... It is one thing to ask why and to spread it all around. But it's better to go on your knees and say, Oh God, why is this happening? Can you make it clear? Can you give me peace with my situation? That's the way to go. Well, true enough, many of us are going through trying times. We do not yet face open persecution in our land. And we are thankful for that. But we do know that it is coming. As Christians, we are already on the blacklist of those who clamor for far more tolerance, whatever that might be. Christian practices are not always very welcome in many institutions of higher learning. We know that too. Christians are far more and more sidelined, particularly because of government, because, or particularly in government related workplaces. No, we don't want Christians there. In other words, it has not been very popular to be a Christian. Not very popular. Some Christians have become the butt of scorn already in our land. And although we as Christians are not yet attacked by every wild beast of the field, as people in our text chapter are, Dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, let us be honest. Let us be honest. The Christian life has not always been an easy life. There have been and still are many, many difficult times to face. Now, if I would end here, then you would say, well, let's go home. What's the use of being a Christian? Thankfully, I don't want to end here. Because there is some very good things to say. Would I want to exchange my Christian life for another kind of Christian for another kind of life that is not Christian? Absolutely not. Dear people, I have no regard, regrets whatsoever that the Lord came to me in my life when I was still very young. And I trust that you feel that way too about your life as well. But we know that along with all of this have come trying times. However, and this is what our text passage wants to teach us. The Lord promises, and here you have it, and they are very good promises. The Lord promises to be like a shepherd to his people. And so, dear fellow believers, dear fellow Christians. You have confessed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ at some point in your life. Praise God that he gave you the readiness to do so. This means, of course, that you have put your full trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for whatever happens in your life. You therefore have the Lord's promise that he will be a shepherd for you as well. Even in trying times, no, I would say, 
especially in trying times. Because notice our text verse. It is set in the context of people going through terribly difficult and trying times. And it is precisely then that the Lord announces his promise to the prophet Ezekiel. And there are people the Lord hasn't changed. He has not changed one bit. He is still the same as he was in the days of the prophet Ezekiel. The promise still holds for us even while we are in trying times. He is our shepherd. And for what purpose would he be then our shepherd? Well, that that takes us to the second point. For your and my, for our spiritual good. Now notice in our text chapter that the leaders of Israel had no been of no spiritual good to the people. They had not fed the flock. They had not strengthened the weak ones. They had not healed the sick ones. They had not bound up the broken ones. And they had not searched out those who were lost. In other words, the people had received no spiritual good from their leaders. But then the Lord promises to replace those leaders, those shepherds, with another shepherd. And so he says, I will establish one shepherd over them and he shall feed them, my servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And will this shepherd be good for the people? Well, indeed, he will be. In fact, it is repeated twice. And when the word of God repeats something, it's very, very important. He shall feed them. He shall feed them. That means that he will do them spiritual good. He will do all the things that the other shepherds' leaders failed to do. He will feed the flock. He will strengthen the weak. He will heal the sick. He will bind up the broken ones. That is what he will do. He will take care of them, you see. He will seek those who are, who are lost. And, he will, and what is summed up in our text, he shall feed them. Literally, he shall shepherd them. Now you might ask, well, who is meant by this, my servant David? Who is that? I mean, David, the king of Israel, died many years before already. Can he be raised from the dead and become leader and king of Israel and shepherd of Israel again? No. But this is a prophecy of one great shepherd. And that's a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we have the same thing, actually, in a few verses on, a few chapters on, Ezekiel 37, verse 24. David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd. Now, David here, too, and in our text passage, is a reference, therefore, to Jesus Christ. And I have some backup information from some good Bible commentators, and I just want to quote you one. One is Matthew Henry. And he's a very reliable Bible commentator. And he makes it very clear. And I quote, This certainly looks further to the kingdom of Christ. Christ is this David, Israel's king of old. 
And I could show you other Bible verses that would prove the same thing, but I hope that you trust this particular interpretation. When God speaks here of my servant David, he speaks here of his own beloved, as we heard this morning, his own beloved son, Jesus Christ. And get this. This can be called, in fact, an Advent text. Now, Advent means, of course, that we're looking forward to the time that Christ will be born in Bethlehem. So we're looking forward to Christmas. And true enough, this is an Advent text already. Because later on, the Lord Jesus would identify himself how? As the good shepherd. All you need to do is read from John chapter 10, the verses 11, and also verse 14, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. Now, dear people, I hope you catch the picture. Jesus Christ is the promised good shepherd of all his people, and he will do spiritual good to his people. He will feed them. He will shepherd them, as our text says in the original. He will do all the things which the leaders of Israel had failed to do. In fact, when the Lord Jesus began his shepherding ministry in, on earth, he announced, in fact, what he would be doing. You can read of that in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, and I quote, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's what Jesus says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So, dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, you say you believe in Jesus Christ. Good for you. Well, he promises to be your shepherd and that for the purpose of your spiritual good. He promises to feed you. He promises to do you spiritual good by shepherding you. And whatever you require, therefore, for your spiritual good, he will see that it is done. I find the description of the Lord Jesus Christ as a shepherd such a wonderful description. And perhaps the boys and girls, they can identify with it somewhat. But just picture Jesus as the good shepherd for a moment. And it's a very biblical picture, isn't it? As he walks among the flock, he suddenly notices one of the sheep with thick with wool entangled in a prickly bush. And so he comes alongside that, 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 that sheep and he carefully and painstakingly removes all the prickly branches one at a time until at last he is able to set his sheep free. A little later, he hears a mother sheep bleating loudly. And as he gets closer to her, he notices a little lamb on the ground it cannot move. It is obviously in pain. And yes, he sees it already. That little lamb has broken one of its legs. And so he gently and he lovingly treats it, binds up that which is broken, 
lifts it up in his arms and he carries his little sheep in his bosom. Boys and girls, this is a description of Jesus Christ as the good shepherd, a caring, loving shepherd. This is how Jesus is. This is how the Bible would like would have you think of him as the good shepherd who does for his sheep what is good for them. Now, the question can be asked, and that to all of us, young and old, are you already one of his sheep? Boys and girls, perhaps you say, oh, mom and dad, they, they know the shepherd, they, they believe in him. Well, that's wonderful, isn't it? To have such mom and dads. By being Christian, your mom and dad therefore confess to be sheep of the Lord Jesus, the Good Shepherd. And they they trust in him to take good care of them. And so, boys and girls, you too need that good care which Jesus, the Good Shepherd, can give you. Wouldn't it therefore be good to pray? And you pray, don't you? You pray at night when you go to bed, perhaps. You pray in the morning when you wake up. Wouldn't it be good to pray that, that Jesus would also make you one of those sheep? Or perhaps better, make you one of his lambs. Will you think of this? As you spend some time praying before you go to bed? Boys and girls, congregation of the Lord, the Lord's promise to be our shepherd is for the spiritual good of you and of me. In trying times, he is there as our shepherd. Do you know him as such? Do you know him as such? Have your trying times already brought you to your need of Jesus Christ. You see, difficult times, when it's good, will draw you closer to Jesus Christ because you know you can't do it yourself anymore. You know the world cannot help you. You know that friends cannot help you, but you know that Jesus Christ can help you. And so, have those trying times already brought you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd? Have you discovered already that without Him, you'll stay in bad shape. Without Jesus Christ, you'll stay in bad shape. You know, we have sung already from Psalter number 387, and I began speaking about that as well. All unprotected, lo, I stand, no friendly guardian at my hand, no place of flight or refuge near, and none to whom my soul is dear. That's without Jesus Christ, dear people. Now, If you sense that your condition is this, as we have sung, if that is still the case with you, then it's high time for you to turn and to look to him and to pray him, Oh, and that's that's what the Psalter also says, Oh, Lord, my Savior, now to thee, without a hope besides, I flee. The Lord promises to be your shepherd. But you must pray him for it it doesn't go automatically you must call upon him and pray him for it now one more question 
what reason would Jesus have to be your and my good shepherd? Should it be our good shepherd because we are such awesome sheep? Well, our text passage says nothing at all about how awesome or how good these people in Israel were at that time. It says plenty of how they have wandered off, how they are a weak people, how they are a sick people, how they are a lost people. It says plenty of that. And therefore, we must conclude as well that the Lord's promise to be their shepherd was not according to their goodness. It was not according to their worthiness. But as we must see lastly and briefly it, according to what? Undeserved mercies. And so, dear brothers and sisters in the faith, the promise that the Lord Jesus Christ should be our shepherd has been fulfilled in our lives, hasn't it? Because we have trusted in him. We have, therefore, the liberty to sing as well, the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and pastures green. He leads me by quiet waters. Therefore, we have confessed faith in him and trust him for this life and for eternal life. But at the same time, I think that you will have to admit, at least I have to admit, that we don't deserve it. We do not deserve to be considered his sheep. We don't deserve to have him as our shepherd. We don't deserve it. Now, the term shepherd for the Lord Jesus Christ may be very complimentary for him. For Jesus Christ. He is the good shepherd. Wonderful. But the label of sheep for you and for me is not so complimentary at all. The label tells us that as sheep do, and I've talked with some sheep farmers about this, that they are prone to wander. They are vulnerable candidates for naturally getting lost. That's how we are, too, by nature. We are prone to wander, and we are very vulnerable for getting lost. The Bible tells us, and so it's right from the Word of God, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That says enough, doesn't it? That says enough. And so... The fact that the Lord promises to be our shepherd is a great thing. It's a wonderful privilege. It is undeserved mercy. And so, dear people, let us not become proud then of being sheep of the good shepherd. Let's not become proud of that. Let us not become proud of our liberty to be called Christian either. Because if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ, we would have been worse off than the people in Ezekiel's days suffering under the hand of their government leaders. But the Lord has given us his great promise. He would be our shepherd, and that in trying times. He would be our shepherd, and that for our spiritual good and according to undeserved mercies. 
And what did he, our shepherd, Jesus Christ, what did he not have to endure in order to be your and my shepherd? What did he not have to endure? It was nothing less, and let me put it in very plain and simple words, it was nothing less than getting killed on the job. Before he actually could declare that he is our shepherd, he had to sacrifice himself on the cross of Golgotha. And on that cross of Golgotha, he suffered, he was put to shame, and he died. And he did that in order that he may embrace that title of the good shepherd. And therefore it is stated here, being the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And he did so voluntarily, as he said, I laid down my life for the sheep. John chapter 10, 11, and verse 15. And for that, dear people, he is worthy of all of our trust. He is worthy of all our confidence, all our confidence and trust. And therefore, the call comes to each one of us for the first time or anew. Believe in him. Therefore, let us worship at his feet. He is our God and leads us. We, the people of his care, with a shepherd's hand he feeds us as his flock in pastures fair. To him, to Jesus Christ, is all the praise because he is the beloved and the good.